0: Today we start a new series called, This One's On Me. Our journey through Jonah, our journey with Jonah. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, we like to pick out the Bible stories where we are the hero in the story. If it's David and Goliath, we never see ourselves as Goliath. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's Jesus and Herod, we're always Jesus. Samson and Delilah. We're always Samson. We're always the hero in every story. I wanted to start this year off with a reality check. Is that all right? Uh, and today we're talking from this subject. As a matter of fact, I need you to help me announce this subject. Let's start this year off right. Look at your neighbor. Now turn to your second favorite. Turn to- <coughs> since you're looking at that second favorite. Say neighbor, neighbor. today. With God's, with God's power and our prayers, and our prayers. Pastor T is preaching about I learned the hard way, the hard way. <laughs> <clears throat> Today is going to be an easy sermon just a lot of information so y'all just walk with me today yes, I learned the hard way There are a few ways we learn in life first of all we learn by explanation We can learn by experience, and then we can learn by example. That makes sense? A lot of what we learn in life, we learn by explanation. We go to school, and someone teaches or explains to us how to do math, and then we know how to do math. Kind of. If they explain a language to us, we learn a new language. Kind of. If they explain history to us, We at least learn the history they told us, even though it might not be history, but we learn it all through explanation. There's some things we only learn by experience, and sometimes we learn these things through experience the hard way. But I need you to understand there are some things in life that God does not want us to learn by experience God doesn't want us to learn pain by being abused. He doesn't want us to learn shame by being judged He doesn't want us to learn guilt by being condemned. And so the easiest way to learn is not by explanation It's not by experience all the time. Sometimes it's easiest to learn by example It's easier to have somebody model what they want you to mirror And we can learn from good examples and we can learn from bad examples. We can learn from successes and we can learn from failures. And I want you to understand it's wise to learn from experience, but it's actually wiser to learn from the experiences of others. Why? Because I don't have all the time I need to go through all the pain I need to go through and go through all the difficulty I need to go through and make all the mistakes I need to make to learn everything I need to learn. So learning from the experiences of others is not only less painful, it's faster. So we need to learn some things through the experiences of others, and that's why we're going to look at this book called Jonah. We're going to learn from the good and the bad experiences of his life. So let's dive right into it. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying... So number one, let's dive right into it. My lesson begins when I receive a word from the Lord. My lesson begins when I receive a word from the Lord. When I hear the voice of God speaking to me, and we're going to talk about... How God speaks to us because some of us think we hear God speak audibly to us, and it's like four people in the Bible heard God speak audibly, and they were outstanding men who walked in the faith, who did things that none of us could dream of, and now God just talks to us like He's in our favorites. I often ask people, God spoke to you, how did His voice sound? Was it right ear, left ear? Did the world shake because the last time He spoke, the mountain shook? But I believe that his will for me will come to me through his word. Doesn't come from any other sources, it comes in various ways, but the source is always the word of God. God, Hebrews 1 and 1, God, who in sundry times and divers manners spake to us in times past by the prophets, hath spoken. Finality to us in these last days by his son. Jonah 1 verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, that's how he gets a date with destiny. This is how he receives his calling. This is how he gets commissioned for his mission. Now how does God speak to us? Through the Bible. The more you get in this book, the more you're going to understand his call for your life, his mission for your life, his purpose for your life, and his destiny for your life. And I said earlier, he uses many ways. When you hear preachers preaching and teaching, God can speak to us through that. When you listen to podcasts of of Christian writers, authors, and topics, when you read devotionals, when you listen to devotionals, God can speak through that. When someone shares a Bible verse with you, God can speak through that. He also speaks to us through visions and through dreams. But understand this, whatever he says, And I'm going to break all the English language rules right here, but I need to make this point. Whatever he says, he always never contradicts his word. Nothing he's going to show you, nothing he's going to give you is ever going to be contrary to what the scripture is saying. So you can stop looking for something supernatural. You can stop looking for a sign It's already written in scripture. When people look at the word and then want a sign, you're not looking for a sign. You're looking for an excuse. Jonah chapter 1 verse 2. Arise, that's what he said to Jonah, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. Understand this. Look at the text. When God confirms his call, it's going to move you out of your comfort zone. It's going to challenge your prejudices, it's going to challenge your desires, it's going to challenge your wants, it's going to stretch your mind, it's going to stretch your thinking, and it's going to stretch your faith. Why does he have to pull me out of my comfort zone? Because the only thing that pleases God is faith, and faith and comfortability don't always go together. Nineveh at this time was the biggest and most important city in the world. It was a metropolis. It was the center of the universe. It was the capital of Assyria, and the Assyrian Empire was the largest and biggest, baddest bullies on the block. And Nineveh was a beautiful city. It had wide boulevards and big parks and canals and great architecture and palaces and temples. It was an incredibly metropolitan, beautiful city, but it was also a cruel, brutal, and wicked city now why would why would this call take faith for Jonah because Jonah was raised in a little village hear me here come the first shouting station Jonah was raised in a little village he wasn't a city guy and God says I want you to go from the smallest city to the biggest city in the world that's going to stretch him culturally then Nineveh Is 550 miles where Jonah lives Jonah's in Israel Nineveh is in Assyria 500 miles, 550 miles How's he going to get there? He's going to have to walk 550 miles I need to talk to somebody right now who's on mission I need to talk to somebody right now who knows you're in your destiny Your journey is not going to be an easy journey And if you want to know why your journey can't be easy, it's because God is getting ready to switch your stage. I'm talking to somebody here today. God is getting ready to change your platform around. God is getting ready to take you beyond what you expected him to do. Am I talking to anybody in the room today or am I just talking to myself? Because I can echo an amen. Preach Pastor T. I'm doing the best I can. I'll keep moving. More than that, Jonah going to Nineveh is a step of faith because Nineveh, was the arch enemy of Israel. Several times the Assyrians had captured, dominated, and enslaved the Jews. So the Assyrians hated Israel, and Israel hated the Assyrians. It was Raiders charges. After last night, nah, it was in Lakers Celtics. Uh. They were mortal enemies, they were political enemies, they were religious enemies, and they were racial enemies. And on top of that, Jonah has a prejudice built up that makes him not want to go help them. They're the enemy, I don't like them racially, I don't like them politically, I don't like them spiritually or religiously, I don't like nothing about them, so God, we got an issue here. You understand why Jonah had an issue with what God wanted him to do? Hear me, somebody, because your course will often challenge your comfort zone. It may challenge your politics. It may challenge your prejudice. It may challenge your preconceived notions about how things are going to go, and it will leave you uncomfortable. I need to know who I'm talking to right now I need to talk to the people who are uncomfortable where you are I need to talk to the people who are in uncomfortable situations I see three or four so I know I at least got some help right there I need you to understand that you're going to be uncomfortable And you are uncomfortable But it's not because of outside forces You're uncomfortable because your anointing has an audience But you have the audacity to choose your audience Before you ask God's advice You chose where you were going to serve. You chose what you were going to do. But you never took the time to say, God, is this your will for my life? It's difficult, but it's my destiny. It's messy, but it's my mission. It's uncomfortable, but it's still my calling. Jonah chapter 1 verse 2, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up against me. God says, get up and go to the city of Nineveh and tell them I see all the evil happening there and I'm not going to ignore it. And Jonah's thinking, I don't want to go. And then you go give me this message on top of that. You want me to go to the enemy with gloom and doom. God, you are tripping me. But God gives him the message to share because he cares about the pain that sin is bringing on his people. I know we don't talk about sin a lot in churches today, but sin still exists. And God still hates sin. Don't use the word hate. He used the word hate. Take it up with him. God hates sin because it hurts his children. So think about it. Really, he hates sin because he loves us so much. God sees what sin does to our lives. He sees what bad choices do to us. And he's patient with those choices, otherwise none of us would be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank God for his long suffering. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank God for his patience. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. Listen to this they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return. To their slavery in Egypt, but you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in mercy or steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. Even when I act a fool, God will not forsake me. Somebody should have shouted right there because I ain't the only person that played the fool. Some of us have some of us have Tony's, some of us have Emmys, some of us got Academy Awards, some of us got the Oscar for best actor or actress in a foolish situation. Act like there ain't no award winners in here. Then 2 Peter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but he is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. Let the church say Repentance. Repentance means to turn around. It means to turn my mind back towards God and away from whatever has been pulling me away. Now, God is patient, but he will not indefinitely delay judgment. He's given us a call. He's given us a mission. And this mission, how he's been to us, Is our mission to go to everybody else and say, God has not abandoned you. There is a way out. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3 says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Jabba and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Number two. Running from God sends me in the wrong direction. Now, I get why Jonah ran. We're not going to sit here and act like we're just so saved we don't understand why Jonah ran. Don't y'all get bougie on me. Let me explain to you why. Because it's God's vision. It's going to be bigger than you. And that can get scary. I don't know if he was scared that they might not listen to him. Or oh, Harvey, I don't know if he was scared they might listen to him. But here's what I do know. Scared people run. <clears throat> this week in Rwanda, we, uh, it was a team of us. It was 15 of us. And two guys specifically stood out to me. Uh, and both of them were named Zach. Go figure. And... So I I had to give them, you know, I had to put the the T. Brooks spin on it. So I got Swag Jack. Swag Jack is a missions pastor that looks more like a youth pastor because he has swag. So I called him Swag Jack because mission guys don't usually look like that. Uh, And then there was another Jack who had a long beard and long hair like John the Baptist. So I called him Zach the Baptist and while we were walking down this mountain to see how far they have to go to get water and bring it back just so they can live I was walking with Swag Jack and I said, you know, Zach, Swag Zach, and I said, listen, Zach I'm going to give you your first lesson in being black he said, what's that tea? I said if I run don't ask me why we were running till you catch me don't look back Don't pause, don't hesitate, don't tarry. If you see me running, run and I'll explain it after we survive, cause we're not going to stick around to see what's moving where we ain't. They got me walking through the jungle. I am a superhero, but I ain't stupid. So I said, Zach, if I run, just catch me and ask me why I'm running. Because scared people run. And Jonah said, listen, the last thing in the world I'm doing is going to Nineveh. So he ran in the opposite direction as fast as he could. That reminds me to ask us this question. What are you running from in your life right now? Where are you running from standing up being the man or woman God created you to be? You're running from a decision. You're running from your past. You're running from your problems. Some are running from opportunities in front of you that just may scare you. Are you running from the expectations of other people? Here's another question we all need to ask ourselves. Is there something God told me to do that I'm not willing to do? All right. Y'all sitting there mad at me. Okay. I ain't right, Jonah. I just read Jonah. So So God says to Jonah, go. Go. Jonah says to God, no. God says back to Jonah, oh. <clears throat> that "o," oh, translated into Greek, means there are consequences to every decision you make. We are free to make any decision in life we want to, but we are not free from the consequence. Your choice is free, you are not free from the consequences. And that's what we don't understand. There is always a consequence. You can make a choice, but then you can't deny the consequences connected to it. I'm free to go jump off any building I want to, but once I jump, I'm no longer free from the law of gravity. So the consequences of Jonah running from God are great. In fact, they're the same consequences that happen to us when we run from God's destiny for us. If I run from God, it's it's in the Bible. I'm going to show it to you. It doesn't say it, but it shows it. My life will go downhill. You don't believe me? Let's read it. Jonah 1 verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee from Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jump down to verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But where was Jonah? Jonah had gone down again into the inner part of the ship and had lain down down again and was fast asleep whenever you run from God you're always going down but did y'all notice when he was running he went down to Joppa he ain't had no schedule ain't no ship schedule on the internet because they have no internet. He goes down to Joppa and finds a ship. Ain't that convenient? Let me tell you something. Whenever you want to run from God, Satan will always make sure there's a ship. You gotta understand that Satan can manipulate circumstances as much as God can. Maybe we don't understand how much power he has. Let me rewind the tape to take you to a conversation he had with Jesus himself. Jesus said, if, well, he said to Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Did you notice that Jesus didn't say, stop lying? Because he knew Satan had the power to do it. He said, you shouldn't tempt me. We try to make Satan powerless, which is why we keep losing the fight. You're underestimating the enemy that can bust your head to the white meat when he get ready. (laughs) If I run from God, I'm going to go downhill. But not only that, if I run from God, it's going to cost me. Let me show it to you in the text. Verse 3, chapter 1, Jonah. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. Had to pay the price. Went down into it to go within the Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. There's always a price. And listen to this, it always costs more to run from God than it does to run to God. There'll be an emotional price, there'll be a relational price, there'll be a financial price, there'll be a physical price, there'll be a spiritual price, and it always costs more to run from God. Well, you're making that up, T. No, let's just talk about it. He's told to go to Nineveh, which is east. But instead, he decides to go to Tarshish which is as far west as you could go in that day. He's 550 miles from Nineveh. But Jonah says, I'm going to go 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Now, which one y'all think costs more? Tarshish was a seaport on the coast of Spain it was the end of the known world at that time So in his mind, I believe jonah is saying i'm going to get as far away as I can go, but you can't run from god David said if I go to heaven you're there if I take the wings you're there if I make my bed in hell your presence is He tried to run and it cost him What it cost him? Let's look at verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Why would God send a storm to wreck the ship Jonah was on? Because God will wreck your plans before he lets your plans wreck your life. Am I talking to anybody in this room that knows God will wreck your plan? Have you ever had an opposing wind from the Lord come up on you? You were trying to do something. God didn't want it to happen. No matter what you did, he wouldn't let it happen. It seemed like there was an invisible force opposing you and kept you from moving ahead because you wanted it so bad you prayed for it, but God was saying no. Let me matter. What opposing win are you facing? Where are you facing an opposing win? It may just be because God is saying, I don't want you to go that way. I don't. I-O-N. I don't want you to go that way. Sometimes God sends an opposing wind to say, I don't want you dating them. I don't want you getting that job. I don't want you getting that promotion. I know what's best for you. You don't know everything behind the scenes. There are some unintended consequences. You are going to suffer, and I'm trying to protect you from pain that you don't see projected. If I run from God, that's going to cost me. If I run from God, he's going to send an opposing wind. And if I run from God, other people are going to get hurt. There are husbands right now hurt because wives are running from God. There are wives right now hurt because husbands are running. Children right now hurting because parents are running from God. Grandchildren hurting because generations before them ran from God. Families hurting because people are running from God. Friends hurting because friends are running from God. Your business might be hurting because you're running from God. Who knows, your neighborhood might even be suffering. God can't even bless your block because you won't stop running. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was this verse 4 and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up so now everybody else's life is being threatened because Jonah hard headed don't laugh who are you causing problems for who's being hurt by my stubbornness y'all was a y'all was real lively um, there's no God like our God. Now I'm talking about the same God. Y'all got an attitude with me. <laughs> Dwayne said, y'all shout. I said it. <clears throat> Come on, son. Jonah chapter 1 verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid and crying out and each cried out to his God. And they hurled cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. These guys are in a storm. It's not their fault. They are pagans. They're, they, they, they got different gods. They're polytheistic. And they start throwing over necessary cargo. They start throwing away stuff that they need overboard. <clears throat> Ain't that typical human behavior? Whenever we get in a storm, we just start throwing away valuable stuff. You throw away valuable relationships, valuable values, valuable habits. You stop going to church. You start throwing away stuff that you need. You're trying to lighten your load, but you're actually throwing stuff off the ship that got you on the ship. He was on a cargo ship. The only reason they were sailing is to try to get cargo from one place to another. And the very thing that had them sailing, they're throwing away. I'm talking to somebody right now whose destiny has them on a the ship and you're in a storm. Don't throw away what got you on the ship in the first place. Now, what's a storm? Let me, let me identify what a storm is. These were ships by their standards, but we would call them boats. It wasn't a love boat. The love boat. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't Royal Caribbean. It wasn't Carnival. It wasn't Norwegian. That's the, that's the, that's the Silver Strands cruise, right? Norwegian. That's the name of a Norwegian cruise line. Uh, y'all go act like... I'll oh, see so y'all go sit there and act like... Every cabin is accessible and all that. Okay, let's get back. Uh, <clears throat> what was I saying? What was I saying? I'm telling you what a storm is. It's the time zone change. It's the time zone change. It's, uh, it's the time zone. So these were sailboats, right? A sailboat's two best friends are the winds and the water. The water supports the winds pushing through, right? A storm is when, because they said they sent a great wind on 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 the water, which means the wind was blowing crazy and the water turned to waves. So a storm is when what used to support you is now coming against you. What used to work for you is now working against you. And when we get in a storm, we start giving up on the stuff that we need to survive. If you're stuck in the storm and you can't move, don't you throw your food overboard? What you going to do when you get hungry? They start throwing everything overboard. To try to lighten the ship's load. All this is going on. Drama. Where's Jonah? Down below on the deck, knocked out. These guys are fighting for their life. The ship is about to break apart. He ain't worried. He, he's asleep, ignorant of how his actions are affecting everybody else. Somebody just popped in your mind right there. Get them out your mind, put yourself in your mind, because I'm talking to you, not them. Ignorant of how his or her actions are affecting everybody else, and he's apathetic. He's ignorant, he does not know, and he's apathetic, he does not care. It's like they asked the guy, what do you think the two biggest problems in America is? Uh, you think it's ignorance and apathy? He said, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> like four of y'all got that. <laughs> Explain it to the rest of them. Jonah chapter 1, verse 6. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Wake up! Arise and call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us, uh, give a thought to us that we may not perish. So the captain went down and said, wake up, dude. How can you sleep in this storm? Get up and pray to your God, and maybe your God will, 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 will give us some attention and rescue us because our God ain't cutting it. Verse 7, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So the sailors said, This storm got to be somebody's fault. We've been in a lot of storms, but this one is the real deal. So let's shoot dice. That's what casting lots was, to see who's responsible for this. And the dice fell on Jonah. Verse 8, then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? And of what people are you? Who you? Who your people is? Where you from? What you do? What if people asked us that question? What you doing? Why are you messing up so much? What if your children ask you, why did you bring this and send this generational curse down on the rest of us? Why didn't you get help? Why did you fall into the same trap and leave us generational debt, not generational wealth? Why did you teach us hate? Why did you teach us bitterness? Why did you teach us regret? Why did you teach us resentment? Why have you brought all this trouble? Jonah chapter 1 verse 9, and he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For well, the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Tempestuous. Uh, now, verse 11 says the storm was getting worse and worse. The waves got rougher and rougher. Why? Because the longer I run the worse it gets. <clears throat> the longer I put off accepting my destiny. The longer I put off accepting my calling. The longer I get off Accepting my mission. The longer I live a self-centered, selfish life, the worse it's going to get. I'm begging you today. To finally, fully surrender your life to God. i use Dwayne's words. Let go. And let God have his way. How much rougher does your marriage have to get before you wake up and realize you need to change? It's not working. We're headed in the wrong direction. How much worse does the situation have to get at your job for you to wake up and say, God, you got my attention. What do I need to do? How much worse does your health need to give before you say, God, what do you need me to do? Now, God loves us just the way we are. But he loves us too much to let us stay that way. How much worse does it have to get? God is patient with us, but his patience absolutely won't endure eternally. God is not going to let us ignore why he made us. Verse 11 again. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Number three, realizing I caused it will lead me to seek God's deliverance. Now, this is the first unselfish thing Jonah has done all book. I'm the cause of the storm, throw me overboard, put me into the hands of God's grace and everything will come down. When he threw himself in the hands of God's grace, miracles started to happen for John. You say miracles, but he threw himself overboard. Sometimes. You got to be thrown overboard so God can take over. Verse 14, therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as is pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its Raging. Somebody, right now, you're finna jump or be thrown. But you need to understand that the storm that feels like it's about to swallow you up is meant for your survival. Because God's purpose for your life is greater than the problem you're getting ready to face. They took Jonah, threw him overboard, and, here's the first miracle, immediately. Storms don't stop immediately. Immediately. They threw him overboard, and it went from crashing waves to calm waters. That is a miracle. For somebody in your life, here's your word for the week, immediately. God is getting ready to stop it immediately. God is getting ready to send peace immediately. God is getting ready to send healing immediately. God is getting ready to calm the storm immediately. If you believe it, just shout immediately. Here's another miracle. When I do what God wants me to do, unbelievers start believing. When I do what God wants me to do, people get saved. Unbelievers around me believe. Remember, this was a ship full of polytheistic, which means they had many different gods and many different idols. But as soon as Jonah told them what God was getting ready to do, they start praying. Can you believe that your struggle can lead to somebody else's salvation? Come on. Your surrender can lead to somebody else's salvation. Verse 16 says, then the the men, when the storm stopped immediately, verse 16, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made, the whole ship then got saved. This could have been named the old ship of Zion. (laughs) Because one guy did the right thing. The believer who was doing wrong gets his life right and all of a sudden folks get saved. Every one of us has a friend, a family member, a a loved one, a, a spouse, a co-worker that doesn't know the Lord. Could you be the barrier? Could it be that the way you've been living is keeping them from living the way God wants them to live? When... When I finally surrender to God, he calms the storm. When you start fulfilling your destiny, when you start fulfilling your calling, when you start living your mission, the people around you that you never thought would come to Christ comes to Christ. And it happens because all of a sudden they see you walking in calmness. They see you walking not stressed, even though you're in a storm. Stress, worry, anxiety are billboards that say, I don't trust God. Here's a third miracle. When I do what God wants, he didn't scold him. He didn't spank him. He doesn't remonstrate or castigate him. He doesn't give him a lecture. He shows mercy. Mercy. Mercy, they threw him overboard and a fish swallowed him. Let's let's read it. Verse 17, and the Lord appointed. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now... How many of y'all heard, oh my God, in church, because we hear some strange stuff in church, don't we? but how many of y'all learned or heard before that Jonah was swallowed by a whale? Let me see your hands. So, good news, the word whale is in the Bible. Bad news, it's not in Jonah. It don't say whale nowhere. It says he appointed a great fish. And let me tell you why this is important. Biblical literacy is important because a whale is not a fish, it's a mammal. So when you try to explain the miracles of God by saying a whale swallowed him and the Bible says a fish swallowed him and people know that a whale is not a fish, it's a mammal, you make God look stupid in us too. Now y'all mad at me. Because somebody that you loved and held in high esteem told you, well, it's because they didn't read it up, they made it up. Don't make it up, look it up. Now, here's a shouting station. The word appointed is a Hebrew word, manah. It literally means custom made. It it, it means that God custom made this fish for one purpose And one purpose only I don't understand the science because I've never seen a fish that could swallow a man without devouring a man It's because this fish was custom made This wasn't a rat fish This was a custom made fish that had one assignment for one prophet for one time Manah means assigned. Manah means ordained. Why didn't the fish digest Jonah? Because God uniquely customized this fish to change his direction without having to use destruction. <laughs> I'm not, you know what? If y'all don't want me to preach, I ain't gonna do it. I ain't gonna waste y'all time no more. But I need to tell somebody. That's the reason it didn't take you out because it was designed to deliver you, not destroy you. It came to redirect you, not destroy you. I'm gonna stop there because it's getting ready to turn into something totally different than what I needed it to be. But I need to, I need to see how many people in here have been redirected. I, I need to see the people that was wondering why didn't it take me out and it took somebody else out? Because God custom-made it for you. He made it so it'll fit just for you. He made it so it wouldn't be too tight to squeeze you to death. It's not too loose to fall off. He custom-made it for you so he can keep you. Let me tell you something about custom-made stuff. Custom-made stuff ain't cheap. Custom-made stuff ain't cheap and... Custom-made stuff is durable. But custom-made makes you look better than Rack would have made you look. I need to look at the people right now who look better because God custom-made your storm to get you where he needs you to be. He custom-made that trouble to get you where you needed to be. He custom-made your burden to get you strong as you need to be. Look at a neighbor and say, look at me now. You can't even tell what's going on under here because what I got on top of it is custom-made. You can't see my wounds because my mercy is custom-made. You can't see where they stabbed me in the back because my mercy is custom-made. Stand. Stand. Before I give this invitation, y'all pray with me. Y'all pray with me. Lord, we're here and we're tired of running. We're just tired of running. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, help us to walk in destiny. Help us to faithfully not fear our calling. We're tired of heading downhill. We can't afford to pay another price for running. We can't afford to let other people hurt because of us running. We can't afford to have you opposing us sending those winds because we're running. Yeah, we feel out of control. But it's time for us to get out of control. And so it's time for us to let go and let God have his way. God, we surrender to you. Individually, we surrender. Collectively, we surrender to you. Corporately, we surrender to you. We learned a lesson, but we learned it the hard way. But I think we got it now, God. And we're ready to move forward. Thank you for custom-making that great fish. Now, God, we just surrender to your will and to your way. God, somebody here today needs to surrender their life for salvation. Somebody needs to to surrender their time to be a part of our church family. Somebody needs to surrender right now. God, touch them before I even invite them, God. You speak to them, Holy Spirit. Save who you want to save. Connect who you want to connect. You get all the glory. This prayer we pray in the name of Jesus all the people.